Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I have always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, have you ever wanted to know what someone's intentions were and be able to read those intentions within seconds of meeting somebody? Well, today's guest is going to help you do just that. We have body language expert, Linda Clemens, and she's not only going to show you how to be able to view and see intentions by somebody, but also how to read people's body language. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Linda Clements. How are you doing, Linda? I'm doing great, Alex. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to you. I've never spoken to a body language expert before, and it's something that's so important to us because we all uh, interact with human beings on a daily basis. And I don't know if you know this or not, Linda, but not everything that we say is what we really feel. I don't know if you know this or not. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And Alex, it's so funny because we could say one thing, but our body will scream out something else. It's kind of like when you're growing up, your mother would ask you to do something and you may comply with it. But if you give the frown on your face or change your tone or your body language turns away, your mother would look at you and said, you know, you better act like you want to do this. <laughs> so it is so true. It doesn't matter what we say. Our nonverbal is actually will get in the way. And one of my favorite quotes, Alex, is by Emerson. And I use this all the time when I'm sharing on the subject. And I'm going to clementize it a little bit. And it goes like this. I cannot hear what you are saying because who you are being is getting in the way. Oh, such a great quote. Oh, and I'm thinking, gosh, and I said, you know, we've heard the phrase action speaks louder than words. And and if my late granny was alive, she would say, honey, I hear you talking, but I don't see you walking. So it's so critical that, you know, our words and our tone and our nonverbal are congruent. So yeah, it's it's our first language. You know, it's so interesting too, because coming from Hollywood, uh, as you can imagine, the amount of people who love to talk, love to talk, and they don't do it. For my, you know, working in the business for almost 30 years, I, the people who don't talk that much are the, are I found to be the ones who do a hell of a lot more than the people who talk a whole lot generally don't have a lot of stuff going on. And they're trying to pretend that they're much bigger than they are, which is, I'm going to assume most of Hollywood. And then there's the occasional people who could literally do pick up a phone and do things, get things done. And then within six months, you're you're rocking and rolling where other people are like, oh, yeah, I'm over here. I'm talking to Steven Spielberg. I'm talking to this and that. And then you call up 
you know, somebody who you know who knows Steven Spielberg, and you're like, is this person working with Steven? Steven's never <laughs> Steven's never heard of this guy, man. I don't know what he's talking about. So it's 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 so funny how how that is. How in your experience, I mean, as they say, um, quiet waters run deep. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience? Absolutely. Think about this. People who are doers, they do. They just do. They get in the business of doing. Why everyone is waiting on the island, how we're going to get off, what are we going to do? Someone build a ship, what we're going to The doer is doing it. It's building the little shack. It's getting work, building the boat to get off. The doer is doing. Talkers are usually still. They just usually, they're, they're just simply getting it out through the verbal. So that's what I've learned a long time ago is that when doers do it, they'll give you their commitment and they go into action because the action does speak a whole lot louder than the words. Others like to hear themselves talk. So those particular people, like we're talking about in Hollywood, they could be auditory communicators. And auditory communicators, you know, they love to hear themselves talk. And, you know, thinking about Hollywood, when I when I look at some of the greatest actors and actresses, and I believe Mel Streep, one of the most nominated actresses, I believe, in history. I think the, the most nominated actress. The most nominated. And, you know, Alex, when you look at her, I think when she did the um, the role playing Margaret Thatcher, I thought I was looking at Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> she gets into that role. And, 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 but what would, think about this, what it would look like if we're going to the movies. So let's say, hey, Alex, we're going to have a movie day and we're going to the movies. And all we see is the actors just reading the lines or just going over their lines without doing anything no emotion, nothing, just the words. We're not paying for that. We're paying for stop, stop. You have me at hello. We're paying for all of that. The movements, the, oh, did you see the way he looked at her? Did you see she just came back? Oh my gosh, she just realized that's her long lost husband. We're looking for those movements so that we can flow with it. And it's so important. It is so important. So tell me, how did you get involved in this kind of, uh, this business, this work that you do? Thank you so much. You know, I got to tell you, I was country before country was cool. So I've been doing this a long, long time, well over 40 years. And I have the opportunity. I'm trained in analytical interviewing, which is a nice word for interrogation. It's like statement analysis. (laughs) And and what's so interesting, uh, I I was in a boot camp in the mountains, 80 hours, Yosemite Mountains, right? I'm saying that right. 80 hours in the mountains. There were retired ATFs, FBI, CIA agents doing a boot camp for uh, military personnel, you know, well, I didn't have a military background. Yeah, I was in ROTC when I was in high school, ranked very high, but I was in sales all of my life. I was a top sales producer. And I'm thinking, I'm already a superstar in sales, Alex. I'm thinking, I want to take this thing to the next level. I want to learn what they're what they're talking about and what they do when they do interrogation, what CIA does, what the Russians do. I want to learn the behavior of science. And it was the most eye-opening experience for me. So one of my greatest ahas not too long ago, it was, of course, during the situation with the George Floyd situation. And you Mm -hmm. had all um, commentators uh, giving their feedback. And different body language, well, different analysis were come on. Well, one body language expert, well, no, FBI agent, bestseller, New York Times bestseller book, Joe Navarro, you know, bestseller. And he recommended me when the media called him. And I'm thinking, I've never met him. I've got all his books, Alex, everything he's got. I, I know what other body language experts out there are doing. And he told the producer that Miss Clemens is far more the best expert now. Is it, Alex? Is it or was it because I'm a woman of color? 
based on the situation. I don't know. Or perhaps he saw my work. Otherwise, he would have never recommended me. So you never know who's watching you. But the way I do it, and I did something for Mind Valley not too long ago, body language for dating. But the way I do it is a little bit different than most body language experts out there. I get into one accord and sync with the presence of the individual. I'm 100% present in their presence. So to the point that I'm picking up the cadence to your breathing pattern. So the next thing you know, our hearts are just in sync, you know? And so as I build that rapport with that individual, then I begin to ask a series of questions, <clears throat> uh, first level questions, which simply gives you the facts on the response. Hey, what is your name? My name is Alex Ferrari. Okay, where do you live? I live in, you know, uh, Texas. So those are facts. That doesn't mean, oh, Alex is lying. Then I begin to do second level where I begin to peel the onion of the question to get the feeling. And then the highest level, third level, which gives the emotional reason why you're saying what you're saying. So I take the time to do it, really get to know the person so that I can watch those micro expressions, mm -hmm. you know, Alex, have you ever been in a room with someone <clears throat> and they're, they're talking about someone, you're not saying, <laughs> but just you've been in a room in a meeting <clears throat> and someone saying, you know what? I, 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 you know, I just hope he does something else with the project and blah, blah, blah. He's not the best person for the job or she's not the best person. And they thought the person was gone. They thought they left the building with Elvis. The next thing you know, the guy or the woman, or they come back into the door the person that said it immediately, they freeze. They freeze. That's why people walk in a room. You ever walk in a room that you ever feel it? Were they talking about me? You ever walk in that room and all of a sudden, Alex, they get, everybody gets quiet and you go, what? What? Were y'all talking about me? And so our, our amygdala, the part of our brain, which is our truth brain, doesn't lie. And the moment that that stimuli or someone asks you a question and you decide to maybe give an alternative answer, you know, that's a nice way to say lie, right? If you give an alternative answer, it doesn't matter what you say, your body's going to get in the way and tell the truth. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So, it's funny. It, 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 it's funny because I mean, even going back into like high school, when you're sitting around with a bunch of guys or gals, and and they're like, "Oh, do you like Bobby?" And the girls like, "No, I hate Bobby." But you could see in their face that they and they was like, "What do you 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 what?" Like the second we said the word Bobby, you lit up, and it's like they can't stop it. It's it, you're a sociopath if you can stop it. Essentially, that's the, the sociopaths have that ability. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's why I say to people all the time, unless you're a sociopath or psychopath, you know, and they do have that ability because that's how they think. They their brain truly believes it. That's why everything's congruent. But you write that I don't I don't like I don't look look at my face. I don't like Bobby. Done. <laughs> and you're laughing at the same time. So you're going like I don't like the and that laugh, really? <laughs> nervous, nervous laugh, of course. So can you tell me about what com uh, communication theory is? Okay, so let's talk. The communication theory was, uh, was a study done by Dr. Maharabi and out of UCLA well over 50 years ago. And it was based on an intimate interaction, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, about 100 people that were in groups, small groups, and how we respond emotionally and non-verbally. And if, with that study, he discovered 
And of course, you always have people that come along later on, other experts that says, oh, we dispute the study, but they haven't done a study, right? So, but he said in that study that our words are 7% of our communication. So Alex, think about this, 7% are the words that are coming out of our mouth. Mm -hmm. Are they powerless, you know, or powerful, passionate or passive, you know, poison or potent are words. And once the words are out, we can't retreat them. So just think if you said something and perhaps, you know, we've, we've all done it before. We made a mm -hmm. mistake, didn't have the right data. And we say something and we're wrong. And you see the look on the individual's face. You know, we got 43 muscles in our face. And so you can imagine what those, that, that expression that comes when you hurt someone. But once the words are out, we can't retrieve them back. 7%. Every, you know, actor in Hollywood, they have to make sure they've got those the right words that are on the script and the words come across. In the study, 38% of our communication is our tonality. You know, it's the saying that goes. It's not what you say, but what, how you say it. But I'm going to do a remix on that. It's not just what you say and how you say it. It's what they hear. So it goes back. So for example, if the, um, if the if the spouse is trying to uh, talk to the wife and she's trying to be mad or whatever, she goes, stop, look at me, look at me, stop. So the, the shoulders is going one thing, but the voice is saying, stop. So the tone is sending a different message. Tone's sending a different message and the tilt of the head. So 38% and in a workshop that I do, sales hypnotherapy is just using the words and knowing when to use pregnant pauses. If I'm talking to your audience and I say to them, listen, Alex, Steve, Linda, Brenda, Kevin, everyone that out there, if you don't hear anything else that I'm sharing with you, I need you to hear this. You can hear it in the silence. So knowing when and how to use the tone. If I said to you, hey, Alex, I saw Steve and Sandy at the mall the other day and they were alone. Okay, Linda, big deal. People go to the mall all the time. But what if I did this? <laughs> I saw Steve and Sandy at the mall the other day. And they were alone. <laughs> Same words, different tone, 7% words, 38% tonality. And Alex, 55% of our communication and the communication theory is nonverbal. So if you add the 55 and the 38, wow, 93%. So it's critical. It's how you show up that actually leaves a lasting impression. It's a, a, there's a comedian who I I it's I think it was funny. So he did a little bit about something like this. He said uh, about uh, there was the same words like a, a girl was like you know a guy was with his wife or something like that. And it's like, and she's like, no, stop it! Oh my god, stop it! Right? And then she's like, now imagine if a court reporter said, your your honor, she said, stop it! Oh my god, stop <laughs> it! You're bad. She didn't say it that way. She didn't say it that way. But you see the difference just by how it was and, and, and how it was how it was put out but the other thing is interesting too is you said something as to how it's it's received most fights that happen inside or arguments or disagreements that happen in life but especially in a in a marriage or in a romantic relationship it's all about how that the intention is not always received it's so so critical cuz like you'd say something and then your wife would get angry i'm like I, 
because guys aren't sophisticated. We're 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 very we're blunt objects. Let's just put it straight. <laughs> we're blunt objects. So when we say something in like in 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 this agreement, we generally mean what we say. Right. Generally, general, because we're again not sophisticated animals, but uh, but then Good the way, point, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the way the other person receives that, and you can, and then the guy will get like, what? I, I didn't. No, it's it's not about taking the garbage out. What what do you what do you mean? It's like no, it's so much more. I'm like no, but I just it's I, I, the garbage. I know it's not how you said it, and it's just so fast. So most arguments, most disagreements, most I would argue most pain in communication that we have as human beings is misunderstanding intention. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. That is a fair statement. And of course, the emotional state we are in when we deliver the message. How many times, you know, let's just talk about this. You, you ever received the text message? And if you are kinesthetic oh. or amiable, and then you're going to pick up the phone, excuse me, <laughs> what did you mean by that? I don't like the tone, but whose tone? <laughs> is it that they it's not that they've used all caps it's perhaps how you perceived it so can you imagine if it happens in the written word you know can you oh. only imagine what happens when we're talking to somebody or where we suspect someone of something if i were you i wouldn't do that if i were you i wouldn't do that see it just all how we deliver that what? so how powerful that can be, Alex! How powerful that can be in just communicating with our with our children, right? With their loved ones, with their with your wonderful audience, you know, with your director if you're an entrepreneur, with your team if you're building a company. It is very critical. Sometimes we have to think before we launch. And my grandmother would say, "Before you launch that tongue, you have mm -hmm. to think." Well, let me ask you though, in today's world, there's so much more communication, especially the younger generations coming up through texting. Texting is such a, I, I find it a horrible way to communicate because there's no tone. You can maybe put an emoji in there and they help. Trust me there. Because if you say something and I've I caught myself doing this, I texting something and I think, oh, they can. They better know I'm joking. Let me put a, a happy ha 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 face or something. Because if not, it all depends on how it's received from the other end. There's a key, a key and peel, uh, the comedy, uh, the comedy yeah. team from comedy, do, yes. they did an entire skit about two people, two guy friends texting each other. One was getting angrier and angrier, and the other one was just getting more and more relaxed. He's like, Do you want me to come over there right now? He's like, Yeah, man, come over right now. Like, <laughs> it's just, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, I'm, I can't stand this anymore. I know we should, this is horrible. Like it was just, <laughs> it's hilarious. But again, this miscommunication is, and by the way, miscommunication is one of the cores of good comedy. Right. Good comedy That's, is miscommunication. Miscommunication. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but that is so true. And then someone would say, well, I thought you meant, well, that's not what I said. Well, I thought you meant it's what you hear and how you interpret it. So, and that's why it's so important. You know, it's strange that you mentioned about the texting. I did a training session earlier uh, this year because, you know, during the pandemic, there were a lot of college kids that were finishing up their two last two years, you know, four years of college, the last two years during the pandemic. And of course, not having that connection. So the they brought me in to be able to help these college kids with their interviews because their interpersonal skills was just like this. Oh, and it was no. very difficult 
difficult for them to look and communicate without automatically looking down. And so just to get them in those interviews, I mean, they look good on paper, the grades and their, their work that they've done, but their interpersonal skills were not great at all because that time locked up. And so it's very, very critical, you know, uh, that as great communicators, you want to make sure it's not always about us. It's I think it was Stephen Covey that once said, um, begin with the end in mind. So how do you want the person to feel when they leave your presence? Right. How do you want them to feel? Alex, do you want, you know, what, you know, just imagine like if someone right now who is listening to your show, they, you know, they could have been just having a bad day. You know, they woke up, the coffee was flat, that, you know, coffee was cold and the tire was flat. They found out the dog needed braces. Everything is happening. Right. And then all of a sudden they turn on your show and then their mood is transformed. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Now back to the show. And so that's what I tell everyone. And especially when I'm dealing with executives, C-suite, you know, there's a silent language of leaders. People are not going to hear what you say. They're going to actually hear what you do (laughs) and watch what you do. That's what they believe because your actions are overriding everything. But it is so important that every time someone leaves your presence, and this is what I believe, they should leave better than when they approached you. They should lead better. And for those of you who are out there wanting to be people magnets and, and, you know, increase your interpersonal skills, your dating skills, whatever, you want to be around people that elevate you and make you feel good. Oh, no, there's there's no question. I mean, we all have those friends that bring us down. We're like, well, we did. I mean, as I got older, I've let go of those friends uh, because I just uh, I was just like, I'm too old for this, uh, you know, expletive. Uh, I just can't. I can't. Ta- I just can't take this anymore. I'm just getting too old for this stuff. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to ask you, though, from your perspective, you know, I think the whole interpersonal communication, you know, being able to talk to another human being. Unfortunately, I feel it's becoming more and more generational. Where your generation, my generation, we had no other choice. We got on the phone and spoke. We got into person and talked. We played out in the streets, this and that. And nowadays, and maybe I sound like an old fogey talking like this now, but but nowadays the younger generation is all about the texting. It's like they're even scared to have so in their dating life, they're just like I've seen I've seen shows about this that, that they just don't know how to talk, but they like literally text each other. They text each other, like they have no understanding on how, and they have no skills on cues, physical cues, microaggressions, micro cues. They have no understanding of that. And even if we haven't, I haven't been trained in that like you have, but I could pick up a couple things. I mean, I'm in the communications business for. 20, 30 years. I've worked with a lot of people as a director on a set. You need to communicate your vision to multiple people and you got to know when the person's just not picking up. These things you have to pick up, but that's that takes time to do. do you, what do you feel about that? Oh my gosh, Alex, you are so <laughs> on the money. I'm telling you this, that, you know, I've seen, <laughs> listen, uh, I had a friend, her, she did like a, a, a her her daughter had a, what is it? The uh, sleepover, they had the girls party. Mm-hmm. And the room, she goes into the room and the room was quiet, you know, because she's the girls. I mean, I know when I grew up, we were having fun and talking about the boyfriend stories. Like Greece, like Greece. Right, right, just like Greece. (laughs) Goes into the room and they're all commute, they're all texting. 
They're not even talking to each other. They're just all What was the purpose of the get together? And the other thing that drives me batty is that if you're in an office, for those that are sitting back in the office or able to come in, some are still in a hybrid, that you are emailing someone and they're sitting right next to you and they're in a cubicle right next to you. So now you're missing. So now we are cocooning, if you will, right? Um, because what's happening? We've been in for a long, long time. I don't want to go back. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to do. They don't want to do that anymore. And they don't realize it's hurting their development. And there's something else about this, this our wonderful generation or future leaders. There was a study that was done because this particular generation, the parents, if you will, they're like little caterpillars. They weren't the the this generation. They weren't able to like break out of the shell to get their colors. You know that's how butterfly gets its colors. It has to go through the struggle. They weren't able to do that because the parents were saying, "I don't want Billy to go through what I went through. I don't want Alex Michaela to go through what I went through." And so they make it easy. So now here's what the study said: This generation, millennials and Zs, are seeking more therapy psychiatric help than any other generation before us. It's in vogue, if you will, for them to say, I'm going to see my therapist because you and I have to like know how to get back in there and work it out. Get back (laughs) in there, work it out. You know, we had to do that. So we learned the resilience. That's why, you if you know, you know so what, the first email or was it back in the 90s? You know, I mean, gosh, I've been doing a networking and relationship building before Zuckerberg was even a born. He didn't even have a face, let alone a Facebook. True <laughs> I've been that. And so, and the old fashioned way being building relationships, adding value, about get, getting, you know, giving more than you get. They don't do that. And I and I used to tell and I tell my nieces and my nephews and the young young adults that I talk to, listen to me. Just because you have 5,000 friends on Facebook, that's not friends. That's social. Do you know how long it takes to get a good friend and develop a relationship? And they don't have that. So mm-hmm. when there's a little dramatic thing, it's because someone on the on on the internet, you've your life is a part of that, and all of a sudden they insult you or they don't like you. Some of these people are shattered, you know, Completely. Completely. it's unbelievable. And, and I hate to say this suicide among, among that generation is high, but yeah, they're seeking more therapy than any, than anyone else because they're going through problems and challenges and never, and and nothing on conflict resolution. We need it in the schools, need it in the universities, Mm -hmm. nothing on, you know, how the art of, and the art of resilience, they not nothing that, you know, they don't have that. No, that's a, and, soft, that's a soft spot for me. I, I know. No, I mean, I, look, I mean, I think our parents, you know, look, we could fairly say our parents loved us, but they were savages. Uh, and our grandparents were even more savages. I mean, th- I mean, the things I would hear what my grandparents did to my parents, I'm like, I'm like surprised that I even survived. You know, it's like it's it, you know, I'm, I, I come from Gen X. So, you know, it's a completely different perspective. And, you know, you just it's you were there was struggle there wasn't the ease that there is today with the technology but our generation is the bridge generation because we knew what life was like without a remote control and we also were there with the birth of the internet and we know how to navigate both worlds you know as opposed to like my kids who were born into this magical world where they can watch any cartoon whenever they want for days on end 
And I, t- and I, I go gather around children. I'm going to tell you a horror story <laughs> back, back in the eighties. There was one day you get to watch cartoons and it was Saturday morning. And if you missed it, you'd have to wait to the next Saturday. What? <laughs> And we love, but we love the anticipation, the doing your homework. I so wake up at six in the morning. From you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it, and you, it, it was so funny. There was, I don't know if it was a commercial or something in one of the shows where they had uh, some of these young adults, they were looking at the rotary phone and they were oh, just, no. oh no, they, they, were, they were looking at it. What oh. do you do? Like, do you, what is it? Yeah, I, my kids, I can't, I walked into an antique store and I saw one of those and my kids were like, what's that? And I go, that's a phone. And they're like, what? And I go, that's a phone. You mean like, like your phone in your pocket? I go, no, no, here, let me show you how it works. And then I started to dial and their eyes were like, what is going on? I go, yeah, you would have to dial all seven. And if you screwed up on, ep- on number seven, yeah, start up all over again. Start all over again. And the worst was the numbers, the phone numbers with the like all nine, eight, sevens, oh, nine. It's, it's horrible. It's like. <laughs> Alex, are we that old? Are we, I think we are. Are we sounding like our parents? I oh think. God, remember me? <laughs> look, generally speaking, my show is a little old, skews a little bit older. So I think a lot of people are laughing right now, hopefully. But the kids who are listening, uh, the struggle was real. The struggle is real, my brother. The struggle, the struggle is real. Was, the struggle was real. No the question. The struggle was that. a struggle. And you know, it's you know, and I, this is so funny. We're talking about this because I, I think I, I was aware of body language growing up with my parents. You know, I oh. to this day, you know, you're looking at kids and how they're interacting with their parents. Billy, sat down. Time out. My mother will give you that look that you Done. felt. Death Done. just went through your body. It, you, you. <laughs> I do. See, see, I've brought the look back for my generation. You brought it back. I brought it back. My children. Let me see your look. Let me see. My, your look no, I can't do it. I can't do it on. It, it has to have. I can't fake it. It has in. to come. I have in. to get into emotion. I'm not Meryl Streep. I can't just bring it up like that. <laughs> but I'll do a look, and my kids will like. No, I pierce. I like. I cut right through them with my eyes, and my wife. Oh my God, they, this is how bad they are about cues. Cause I can sense with my wife when she's not, when they're getting on her nerves and I have, I have probably about a good 15, 20 minute head start on the kids. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Meaning that I can tell something's coming. It's kind of like an earthquake monitor. I'm like, eh, it's good. this volcano is going to pop any second now. And I would tell them, I even say it out loud now, even if my wife could hear, I go, girl, um, <laughs> you're about 10 minutes before something happens. You don't want to happen. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, girl. and I like clockwork, like yeah. clockwork. They do something pops off. And the same thing goes. My wife will say it to my to my kids, but I'm a, I, I don't I I I'm more emotional. I'm a, I, I I express myself like that much quicker, so I have a shorter fuse, as they say. But but they don't pick up. So I've I've been trying to teach them these little. They're it's funny and it's cute that we're talking like this. But these are skills that they need to learn. Like when your dad got home or grandpa got home, you could sense absolutely the moment they walked in if they had a good or bad day. 
just by the way they look and things like that, which, all right, so let's, let's talk, we've been having some fun, but let's talk about. We had a good, uh, matter of fact, we had a good landscape because we would watch the interaction between the parents. Oh yeah. Because think about it, Alex, that's how little girls know that when mommy says, no, you can't have the cookie before dinner. Listen to mommy's tone. No, you can't have the cookie before dinner. How does a three-year-old, four-year-old know when daddy walks in the door to change her little tone? Hey, daddy, how does she know how to take her little hand and stroke his cheek and then goes in for the kill? She asks him for a cookie and 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 he melts like butter. How is that? Because they've seen it demonstrated, see? And that's why it's so important even as adults and for parents that are out there, when you can tell your your children, hey, these are the, you know, we want you to grow up to be a great kid and and integrity is important. But if you don't demonstrate it, absolutely, it's gone. It's no, you've got to you be you have to be an example. And now, by the way, when they do that, because my my kids do try to do that to me. And when they do that, I'm like, ask your mother. <laughs> I don't get I'm not gonna get in trouble. I'm like, nope, ask your mother about that. Nope, that's not my department. Oh, the wife, trap, right, Alex. You you feel a trap. No, nah, I'm 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 an old dog. And I like at this point, I'm like, oh wait, the Wi-Fi's down? Got you. You know, <laughs> oh the, the iPad's not hooking up. That's daddy's department. That other stuff, Mm-mm-mm. ask your mother. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So, all right. So what are some nonverbal cues? We've been talking a lot about nonverbal cues. What are some nonverbal cues that we can pick up on when we're, when we're having a conversation with someone that we can kind of tell the, the words aren't matching the intention? Absolutely. So let's talk about this. For some of you that are out there that are still doing the Zoom, because you may have in Zoom meetings, or and for some of you that are in person. So let's just say, you know, Alex gave me a great welcome onto this platform. And what if I came onto the screen and I said, Alex, I'm so excited to be here. Well, <laughs> automatically the assumption, the folded arms is closed off, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm closing off a power zone. When I say power zone, I'm speaking of the heart area, the throat area. This little dip here is called the supersternal notch. As a matter of fact, uh, Princess Di, when she felt really vulnerable, she would stroke the supersternal notch. And at the same time, Marilyn Monroe would use it to expose the neck to be very seductive. So, and t- I mean, t- so that's a power zone, the heart area, the belly button, the navel connection, our first connection to another human being is through the umbilical cord. When we turn away, we're cutting off the connection and of course the reproductive area and we'll save that for another show mm-hmm. so so to give you a great example here so the arms are folded so here's what happens with biases prejudgment the perception is family listen up ladies and gentlemen the perception is when you fold the arms there to the recipient it perceives it as being closed off so what happens if the person judges you on that movement and they decide you know what i'm not going to watch the show today because this person is closed off to alex and you miss this piece right here you miss this piece where i'm going like this you saw me folded arms when you introduced me then all of a sudden i'm talking going like this and my niece brings me a scarf and says oh my god she must be chilly but you missed the other movements how often do we judge the first movement? So when I'm teaching master classes, Alex, I tell all my students, watch for more than one movement. And we call those clusters. Looking for more than one movement that validates what you think. You think Linda's not in the mood? Okay, what else is she doing? Her arms folded. Oh, she's turning her body away. Oh, she's looking that way. Wow, that's three movements that validate that. The other thing, whatever is on the mind shows up in the matter. 
Whatever is on the mind shows up in the matter. And it could take a millisecond, the moment that you're thinking like, oh, this person gets on my last reserve nerve. Oh, hi. You can't even switch it that. Those micro expressions, you can't even switch back that quick because what's happening, the brain is going to allow the facial expressions to linger because the brain is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is how you really feel. I'm sending the right cues down there. And so we try to override that. Another thing that you could be aware of when you're having a communication and you walk into a meeting and it says, okay, we're going to go over the agenda today, but there's a couple of things that are going on. There's a rumor going around the office, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Did anybody have anything to do with it or you know what was said? So watch this. The moment that you say that timing is critical. Mm -hmm. watch for the people who do lip compression. So I'll say to you, Alex, mm -hmm. do you know anything about what's going around? I'll say, Dorinda, Steve, Michaela, do you know anything what's going around? And all of a sudden, when I get to Steve or Linda, then Linda goes like this. Mm. <laughs> Not quite sure. Okay, why did I do that? Why did I do that? I'm holding it in. The brain said, girl, you know, you know what's going on. You know exactly what's going on. I know you're trying to cover for your person, but you know what's going on. So automatically I'm trying to suppress what the, what the amygdala is telling the truth, the truth brain. It sends the right signals. And when I see lip compression, that allows me, oh, before I go to the next question, let's begin to peel the onion. So let me ask you this. So Linda, were you there? Uh, the meeting, it was about 12 o'clock. And I think that's when they had the discussion and this was said about this. And, and then all of a sudden, some other things start happening. So everybody out there that's watching, I want you to do this. Raise your hands. Come on, Alex, play with me. Raise your hands. Raise your hands, Alex. Okay, so take your hands and put them on your thighs. Okay, put them on your thighs and start stroking your thighs. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a pacifying gesture. You'll see this happen mm -hmm. when people are getting nervous Chemicals are being released from the hands. So all of a sudden they're trying to self-soothe themselves. That's a second movement. As soon as I ask you, did you hear anything? Now you're getting nervous. It's probably why I've been called to jury duty probably about seven times. And every, every, every time the defense interviews me or the prosecutor interviews me, they send me along my way because when they find out that I'm a behavior expert, they don't want me in there and a sales expert because I might sway the jurors. But guess what happens? Half of the body language is gone, Alex. So if you have a witness or a suspect on the, on the stand, and then all of a sudden, were you aware of what took place on February 14th? Were you aware of the, were you at the scene? and that person is withholding information, you're just seeing the upper carriage. You're not seeing below the waist. Ah, so what happens if they're crossing their ankles? They're holding back. That's another way of the body of biting the tongue. Hmm. And timing. ah, but you can't see that on the stand. We should have crystal clear stands so we can see the full body. And then we may not see unless their body is really nervous if they're doing the foot. See, I'm bouncing my foot. I'm bouncing my foot right now, but you can't see it. So now that nervous because something, they're getting close, they're getting close, they're getting deep. And all of a sudden I'm getting nervous. See, they're missing those nonverbal cues. So it's very, very critical. Again, whatever goes on in the mind will come out in the matter. And one more thing. 
for those of you that watch wonderful presentations like this and watch TED Talks, and many people have seen a TED Talk presentation, and, and there was a study that was done a few years ago, some of your most successful TED Talk presenters use well over 422 hand gestures in an 18-minute span period, speaking with their hands, exposing the pops, compared to those that didn't do too well in their numbers, their numbers were well under 200 of hand gestures. Why is it when you're doing business with someone, you're talking about money and you're saying, you know, be, yeah, that's the best deal that I could give you, that people feel uncomfortable because your palms are not exposed. Hmm. So it's very important when you're speaking, move with purpose, family. And also when someone who is lying or being deceptive, unless they're a sociopath or a psychopath, it's very difficult for them to lie for extended period of time with the palms exposed. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Mm, that's very interesting. So that's why, uh, you know, Italians and Latinos like myself are, they just, you know, they, they move their hands constantly. Uh, it's a constant movement. Even when I talk, you know, when I'm when I talk to people, I, I when I talk to you, like when I'm interviewing people, my hands are moving, but you don't see them because they're <laughs> underneath. They're underneath the, the the camera. So, but I'm always like, yeah, this or that, and you might see the camera shake a little bit because that's me moving the, the table. But I I always I do, and especially if like I'm doing a presentation, I can't hold my hands in. It's like they just they they just pop out constantly it's a it's a thing i don't know why but it is it It gives it gives fuel to the presentation and the passion with it so just can you imagine when someone's excited hey you just won the lottery the hands go yay you just did this yay you're getting a promotion yay people who are clinically depressed do not raise their hands in the air like they just don't care they don't raise their hands because it changes the emotional state so can we talk a little bit about microaggressions? They, that came up a lot in uh, some some uh, court cases that I've seen. And, you know, they always, you know, they always have the language expert on CNN or Fox or something like that. And they just like, you see the way they do this. And to the point where, like, I think it was one of the Supreme Court nominees that they were being brought up. They they froze frames and you could see them like, like angry as they're like talking, but they're, but they're split seconds. Like you wouldn't notice them unless you were going frame by frame. Absolutely. What, how can we pick up on some of these, these microaggressions? Okay. So what are microaggressions? So, so, we, so there's the microaggressions. And I think what you're speaking about when they freeze the frame, Alex, are micro expressions. Expressions. So thank expressions, you. Yes. So the micro expressions is like, for example, um, um, so someone says to so someone says to you, so Michael, so what do you think about the new director? What do you think about the new producer? What do you think about mm-hmm. uh, da, da 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 da? And you go like this, watch, um, um, you watch me. Um, he's okay, really quickly. So that that little smile was trying to come out, but it went back, and so even the twitch of the the corner of the lip, all of those give signals in a split second. However, we miss it. Because so many of us are broadcasting rather than tuning in. So mm. many of us bring people in our office. You got to talk to an employee. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to, yeah, yeah. Watch. Look, look at my hand. It's the end of the freaking month. You've got to meet your quota. 
Sales numbers are back. They're slow. And then all of a sudden you've got an employee comes in. They've got a problem. One of your good people and they want to talk to you and you don't have the time, but you're trying to pretend that you do. Mm -hmm. So here's what you do. Alex, come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Now, Alex, I'm going to take off the take out the sound. I'm going to just do it on my own. Alex. Look at my hand. So look at the hand. If I said, Alex, come on in. Shouldn't the palms be exposed? Welcome. Mm-hmm. Come on in, come on in. But I'm doing like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at the brow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on in. So just here's what I did with the back of the hand. I just did dismissal to the hand. Dismissal. We don't realize because that's what you're thinking. And the body sent the right cue. You were just trying to override that. So micro uh, impressions, micro expressions, micro expressions are those little twitches that you take. It takes a split second. I mean, a millisecond that quick that you notice that when you say something to someone or you ask them a question or in the interview, you notice it very quickly and you have to second guess yourself. Did I just see that? Or am I feeling something? And that's the thing when you start saying, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I mean, Bailey looks good on paper. She looks good on paper, but oh, I'm not feeling it's something. What it, and that's that micro expressions that you're seeing, the nuances, those little things, but they're fleeting moments and they happen very, very quickly. And if we are not tuned in, we miss them. But then you'll start seeing the broader movements from the micro expressions that the person gets more uh, aggressive, if you will, it'll start to grow and expand. You'll see it in the hands. So when I'm looking at folded arms, for example, folded arms doesn't always mean you're closed off. Right. It always mean that, right? It could be a person's norm or their baseline. So in body language, who you are under normal circumstance without any stress, we call it, that's well, that's Alex's norm. That's his baseline. That's who he is. So if Alex comes in every day and does does the podcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, for some reason, you tell your wife, I'm not in it today. Friday, the same thing. You're out of baseline from the routine, just like with the child that comes in, takes off the backpack. So when you know a person's baseline, so if folding the arms is part of your baseline when you're listening to people, and you're trying to figure out a problem, that's a good time to do it. But if the person doesn't know you, Alex, it takes four to seven, some say eight seconds. I'm going to give you an extra second to make a good first impression. And the remaining time, about 20, 30 minutes, I'm trying to validate if you're the real deal. So Mm -hmm. if my initial impression of you, when I meet you for the very first time, so you say to me, so yo, Clements, tell me where you're from. What's your background? You see, okay, but how would I know that that's your norm? So I'm going to my sponsor or my director or my advocate for the company who brought me in. So when I say sponsor, you guys, I mean an advocate, okay? The company. So who's someone who brings me in and they'll say, Linda, did you meet all the team players? All the, yeah, I met everyone, but I met Alex and I don't don't really think he likes me. Well, what make you say that? Well, when I walked in the room, he just bellowed out. So tell me about yourself, where you're from. And he folded his arms. Then she's going to say, oh, that's just Alex. Well, how the heck do I know? Who in mm-hmm. HR gives me a directory of all the cray-cray personalities in the company? How would I know? So right. it takes, it's critical that first 48 seconds. Now, what I'm looking at with folded arms, when the meeting gets heated and temperatures begin to rise, I'm looking at hand grip. I'm looking right here, Alex, the pressure, the pressure. You see that if I'm mm-hmm. That's when I'm noticing 
that I know, okay, there's a temperature change. A temperament is about to change right here simply for the hand grip, not just the folded arms, but how they dig in. And that's the sign. And that's the sign of anger and someone's temperament. And you want to watch that when you're in that individual's presence. So those micro movements, those micro expressions are those little bitty things that sometimes we try to suppress. Quite often they're leaked out. And by the way, that's a term in nonverbal communication called leakage. It leaks out, it oozes from you. So we've been talking about a lot of these these micro micro expressions and and other things, nonverbal cues. Do you have any tips for people who are dating, who are trying to find a, a you know a, a mate, a boyfriend, a girlfriend? Uh, because dating, I haven't. I've been out of the dating pool quite some time now. Uh, I can't even imagine if I had to go back into the dating pool. Uh, my wife and I both look at each other like, no, 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 we're just going to stick around because we both neither of us want to go back out there. But, <laughs> but uh, when you're trying to find, you know, you're trying to um, learn about a new person, introduce yourself, see if you're a match. What are some tips on dating and finding love with with uh, body language? I got to tell you this, uh, if it's okay for me to mention, I have a, a body language um, for dating course with Mind Valley, and it's been really, really popular. So I'm excited about that. And of course, I have about several friends who have wonderful marriages for people who they've met online because they were just focusing on, a, you know, like, what do you like? What's important and your values and that kind of thing. But when you're dating in person, here's the thing you got to remember. And, and, and everybody write this down. I guess a little thing that I came up with, it's open, the word open, like opening the door. I, like your eyes, lean, like you're leaning in and beaming, like there's B-E-A-M, like there's an internal light and fire in you. So just think of this, open eye, lean and beam. So when you're meeting someone, make sure that your power zones, your body language is open, that you're not closed off any kind of way. It's very important because at the moment that the person sees you, they want to see the expression in your face, the eyebrow flash. You know, you ever go to a networking event, Alex, and someone invited you and you walk in the room, you don't see the person that invited you, but you're looking around and look at my eyes, you're scanning the room. That's what you call scanning the room, but you don't see anyone that you know. And then all of a sudden you see your friend, Linda, what do you do with your eyes? As soon as you see me across the room, Linda, Right. That's an eyebrow flash, eyebrow flash. And by the way, the ladies out there, when you see a man that likes you, that you could tell that he likes you, number one, you'll see the eyebrow flash. And number two, he'll defy gravity. He'll lift up off his feet like Superman. Linda, Linda, you know, he'll defy gravity. Those are tips right there. Now, here's the thing that when you are talking, when you are talking, keeping the power, and this is right now for the ladies, keep the power zone open. So let's just say hands on deck. When I say hands on deck, that means your hands are on the table. Because if you're sitting there and you meet it, you're meeting in a restaurant and you say, okay, so what do you like to do? Oh, that's great. <laughs> and your hands are on the table, but you're not expressive. So with the hands on the table, forearm and leaning in with the tilt of the head and the motion around and just listen, just listen and validate so if, you, if someone says something interesting, wow, wow. You know, mm -hmm. if they're good at jokes or whatever, whether they're good at jokes, men love people, women, when they laugh at their jokes, whether they're good or not, you know, so, but just validate. So give facial validation. It's like, wow, that's great. So people love people who are interested in them. Oh, I mean, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
And now back to the show. I'll tell you what, I mean, I mean, I've done over a thousand interviews at this point and, and I talk, I do this all day, every day. And I've been doing it for, you know, getting close on eight years now. And when I, when I, I've had occasionally people who do not give any cues, it's like talking to a wall and it's not, it's, it's awkward. It's weird because you just feel like, like you and I are having a communication. It's a back and forth. It's a tennis kind of a tennis match where, you know, we're, you know, kind of a dance, but when the other person is flat footed and the music <laughs> is playing and, no, and there's nothing. And I feel like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep this. I gotta keep this dance going when the other person, and it's hard. And sometimes I don't know about you when you meet somebody, I guess in an interview scenario, it might be different, but I guess in a, just a meeting scenario would be very similar where the wall is up because they don't know you. So they're not going to show you who they are. And my job as an interviewer is to be able to break through that wall and make them very comfortable very quickly. If not, the conversation is stale and the audience picks up on that. And sometimes it takes a minute. Sometimes it takes 20 minutes. I've had I've had interviews that I couldn't break through the wall because they're just, you know, I've had some Oscar winners on the show that just were so media trained that I just couldn't get in. There wasn't a, there wasn't a receptive uh, audience on the other side. But is that is that a fair statement too? Have you experienced You're exactly that? Right, um, Alex. What is I just was it Joaquin? Who was the guy that played the Joker? Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, he was on. I never forget on David Letterman. Oh God! Remember that? Oh my God! Oh my God! That was amazing. <laughs> Letterman had no idea what to do. He was, but he was doing it on purpose. Was and, he in character? Yeah, yeah, he was in character. Okay. Yeah, he was. He but was in character. Did Letterman was, know it though. <laughs> I don't think Letterman knew. And Letterman, I mean, Jesus, he's a legendary interviewer for God's yeah. sakes. Interviewed thousands and thousands of, of people, but that interview was so awkward to watch because Letterman would throw something at him, and he would just like, yeah. Absolutely. Or no, yeah, it's just it's it was just like oh, and the part and could you without even looking at the audience, Alex? Could you just feel just through the screen how uncomfortable the audience was for David Letterman? And David Letterman's from where I from where I'm from, Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a loser, right? So, but that that's exactly true. So here's what happens when we do that. It's primitive, first of all. Now, for the initial time. In other words, when you meet someone for the very first time, yeah. your brain is trying to figure out, is this person friend or foe? Is, is the tiger going to eat me? That's mm -hmm. about mine. Is this friend or foe? That's why we build rapport. That's why you do that with your guests to make them comfortable. You build rapport so that that instant connection can take place because you can't go any further. They're sitting there and they're closed off in a protective mode. And of course, like you said, that was deliberate, but Letterman didn't know it. Thus, it made him feel awkward in the audience because the audience was resonating with David. And the same thing that happened with Dr. Phil when he first was on the Oprah show. He didn't test well at all. He didn't test well at all because his no nonsense, that dog ain't going to hunt type of thing. Well, Oprah's audience, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the spiritual, the empowerment, this. And so when he's getting on says, look, girl, we got to do this. They're thinking, oh my gosh, you're talking to our lady old like that. And he did not test well at all because his personality, if you will, did not resonate. 
when, they, when the numbers came out, Oprah had to come back and says, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys, this is what he did for me to help me win that case. He had to be tough. Oh, we love you now. We love you now. So it's very critical that you build that instant rapport because that person could be a trust issue. Okay. Is it their baseline? Or is there something else going on? Is there another story? You know what I mean? It's very important. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all of yes. my guests. What is your definition of living a good life? Oh, my goodness. My definition for me, because we only pass this way once, is to live my life soul of giving, sharing, and caring. I believe it's so important to do your giving while you're living. That's a good life for me. And my riches come in health. Because you could have all the money in the world. There are people that are chasing wealth, Alex. They're chasing the wealth. And then next thing you know, they spend all their wealth to chase health. <laughs> and so I want to be prosperous in my health. I want to be prosperous in my spiritual walk and my spiritual connection uh, that's important to me. And I also want to be uh, healthy and happy in my relationships with friends and the people that I meet. That's for me is living a good life. I want to stand, I think it was Irma Bombeck that once said that when I stand before my maker, I want to stand empty because I used everything that you gave me. And that's what I want to do. What is your definition of God? My definition of God is love, spirit, and peace. It gives me a, a calmness when I have that spiritual connection. Because June the 4th, 1996, I was a radio personality, and I, morning drive, just got off the air, and I was scheduled for a surgery. It was an outpatient surgery. Needless to say, I think it was Mother Teresa that said the best, best way to make God laugh is to make <laughs> Yes. And I was scheduled to come out um, just a couple hours, but something happened that too much anesthesia, I end up in a coma. And I was in a coma for seven days. Oh my God. My heart stopped for 60 seconds. My radio listeners were praying for me. And, you know, the doctors told them just kind of like kind of prepare for the worst they didn't know. And I just believe to my bottom core that there's something bigger and greater than me that said, not yet, not yet, my child, not yet. So I have a, I have this direct line. <laughs> now, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Oh, yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Linda Clemens. And Clemens is spelled C-L-E-M-O-N-S. My website is my name.com and uh Linda Clemens ebooks.com. So just uh love to hear from you. And and uh if you if you if there was something that you got out of our conversation today, let me know. Let me know if there's something fed your mind, body, or spirit. I appreciate that. And do you have any final messages for our audience? Yes, you know, one of my uh, favorite quotes is from Benjamin Mays. There are 31,536,000 seconds in a year. You've only got a minute, 60 seconds in it, forced upon you. You didn't seek it. You didn't choose it. Hurt if you lose it. Accountable if you abuse it. It's only a tiny little minute, but the rest of your future is in it. Spend it wisely. 
Oh, beautiful. Linda, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And thank you so much for the work that you do and and, and trying to help uh, people uh, around the world. So I appreciate you, my dear. I love you, man. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Linda so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge with all of us. Thank you so much, Linda. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 198. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.